You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Our man Adam Stanley, golf analyst for Sportsnet. He's at the CP Women's Open out west in Shaughnessy. We'll catch up with Adam Stanley. But some hockey news yesterday. That's fun in August to talk about that. NHL writer for Sportsnet.ca. We say good morning on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to Luke Fox. Luke, how are you? I'm doing well. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for jumping on. Is the Austin Matthews contract the epitome of the Larry David meme where you love the AAV but you don't really love the term? Yeah, that's that's pretty much hitting it uh, the nail on the head. Um, uh, the Leafs Nation seems a little bit divided. I mean, for one, there's a sense of relief, right? We're st- we're about a month away from training camp, which doesn't open in Toronto until September 20th. So, you know, this big the biggest question mark and the biggest priority uh, for Brad Tree Living uh, as soon as he took the job that's cleared up. They know they have Austin Matthews for four more seasons beyond this one. Uh, but on the other hand, you're like, well, they haven't had that much playoff success. He didn't really take that much of a discount. He's only sticking around um, till age 30. Yeah, we're getting, you know, the best, presumably the best 13 seasons of a superstar's career. Uh, he could go down as the greatest leap of all time. But why didn't he take eight like the rest of superstars like McKinnon? McDavid, I mean, Sebastian Ajo, pretty much everyone takes eight. Why did he only take four um, and and not eight? So uh, there's a bit of, you know, like you said, some good and some and some question marks still lingering here. How important do you think it was for Austin Matthews to get this done before camp? Uh, I think part that, that was important. Um, there was never really a sense that it wouldn't get done. Uh, everyone was in agreement, like Brendan Shanahan, Brad True Living, this was their number one priority this offseason, uh, with William Nylander sorting out that situation being second. But Matthews was the number one priority. This way you avoid the circus of showing up to camp. Uh, Matthews doesn't have to face questions all year long. Uh, you know, it also gives the rest of the group some security. You know, the, the other players on the team, they're not looking around saying, wait, is our best player thinking about leaving? So it, it's not just a, a, a good PR move. It's also, I think it has some real effects in the dressing room. If, if your best player says, I'm committed uh, to, to stay here for five more years now, let's go. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it, there was some sort of importance on getting it done by camp. Now, if, if it lingered, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, David Pasternak didn't re-sign in Boston until March, uh, it's it's not unusual for these things to linger on, but taking care of the biggest you know check mark on the to do list, I think, is a positive step for everyone involved. How much of this do you think is going to like? Do you see Austin Matthews being a guy who could take over the C when John Tavares leaves or his contract expires or whatever happens next for John Tavares in a couple of years? Yeah, I, I do. Hmm. Um, and, and, he, and you know, and I think. You know, even being around the team, Tavares is, is kind of the first one to defer to Matthews a little mm-hmm. bit in terms of recognizing that he's past his prime, that this is a special guy, that he's the the, 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 the number one center, right? He's 
Tavares has already assumed a, a, a 2C role. That said, he's very proud about being the, the captain. And actually, when after Leafs got eliminated by the, the Florida Pan- Panthers who were doing their locker cleanout day, that subject was brought up about, you know, would Tavares ever waive his no-move clause? Would he ever, you know, g- give away the C? And, and he went out of his way to say, you know, I am so proud to be the captain of uh, the Maple Leafs. I have no intention of leaving. I love being being here, and I love being captain here. So, and I think honestly, I think Austin Matthews is is fine. I don't I don't think his ego needs to see right now. But I could see uh, that tr- transition happening in, in two years' time when Tavares' contract is up. I think this is going to be really interesting to watch kind of the next four years and and how they build around him and they try and make this roster competitive because it really does feel like when you look at some of the ages of some of the guys and and just the salary cap structure plus on top of that, this is a team that has drafted well but not drafted high over the last few years. It feels like in three to four years it's going to be kind of hard to rebuild this on the fly. So this has extended a window and then after four years – who knows what else happens with Matthews? But this feels like it's a, hey, now we've got these guys. He's here for four more years. Now we have to really make sure that we capitalize and, and we actually get the banner here. Yeah, no, absolutely. There, there, there is a sense of urgency. And really, there has been the last few years. This extends yeah. that window, I think. But what's going to be tricky is Tavares, you know, I think he's a fine second-line center. I think a lot of teams would kill to have him. It's just when you measure his production against his cap hit, which is $11 million for this season and the following one, uh, it puts the, the Leafs in a, in a really tricky situation cap-wise. So what I'm fascinated is with the new GM at the helm, does Brad True Living continue to go this way of allotting this massive percentage of his cap dollars on forwards? So we already know that Matthews is going to get a big chunk of, of when the cap goes up uh, next year. Matthews is eating up a lot of those dollars. Is William Nylander also going to get the raise he's due? Is Mitch Marner, uh, who's up uh, one year after that, is he going to get another raise? Like, are they going to keep going down this path of we're going to invest all this money on offense and then try to pinch pennies and find bargain guys on the blue line, try to get, get you know, luck in and get a goalie? Uh, who, who we think is good value, are they going to keep going with that model that, that Dubas laid out? Or is Trey Living at some point going to switch philosophies a little bit here and spend a little bit more on the back end? Because that is an area that concerns me with this team. Should Leaf fans be worried at all about the William Nylander conversation uh, when it comes to an extension? Because as you wrote in your piece, he seems pretty chill about everything, Luke. He is. Um, and I'm, I, honestly, I'm envious of the guy. Like he, nothing bothers him. And I, and it's really not an act. He is that calm and relaxed and it's not just words, you know, it's his actions. We saw it last time he was due a contract as a a restricted free agent. And he took it all the way to December 1st, all the way to the deadline where if he didn't sign that day, he he couldn't play in the national hockey league. He'd have to go play in in Sweden or or sit on the couch. Um, He's willing to take this thing to the brink and he doesn't feel like there's a deadline at training camp. Yeah, maybe he, he'd avoid some questions, but the questions don't really bother him. Uh, and, you know, it, to, to William Nylander's credit, he is due a massive race, um, whether you can, you know, bicker about whether that's 8.8 or, or $10 million and, and say, well, he, it's this or that. But the point is, he deserves a massive race, 40-goal score of the 
the core four, as, as they're called. He's the one that's you know showed up last few postseasons. He's over overachieved based on what he's uh, getting getting in paychecks. Um, so he and now he has tons of leverage. So it, it's really going to be fascinating. So does Brad Tree Living, who has gone through a very similar scenario not too long ago in Calgary with Johnny Gaudreau and the same agent, Louis Gross, as William Nylander, is he willing to say, hey, he's good value right now. Let's play out the season. Let's go try and win a Stanley Cup. And if you walk, so be it. Does he try to manage the asset? Like, as you mentioned, the cupboards are pretty bare in Toronto. Um, or does he give him the raise that, that he's due and keep investing in, in these same guys who haven't got it done uh, past round two? Luke Fox, NHL writer, sportsnet.ca, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. I guess online, big show, Russick and Rose. Does the Matthews con- uh, contract and potentially the Nylander deal have anything to do with Elias Lindholm and how much money he can make? Because I brought up the point, Luke, last hour that now that Matthews is off the board, potentially um, Elias Lindholm is the number one center in free agency next summer, and that potentially could be appealing to the Calgary Flame. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know if Matthews is a good comparable for, for Lindholm. Uh, I well, think obviously a, not, I'm like the best another, goal scorer in the NHL possible, over the last yeah. five years. I'm just saying just based on his yeah. position and that all of a sudden you can make the argument he's – one of the best available UFAs, if not the best one, next summer. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 going to have a ton of suitors if he goes the distance. I'm just curious if he does, because it, from what my understanding is, is the Flames really want to keep him, and they're trying to get him locked up. And but yes, he has that leverage if he wants to use it. It's really funny how you know. Matthews is kind of an outlier in, in terms of hockey players and in terms of really maximizing their leverage. Like we so often is guys just re up, re up and max term, give me the most security possible. It's a contact sport. Who knows if I'm, if I'm ever going to, you know, get another crack at free agency and guys just had to go the safe route. So Lindholm is now in the position, like you said, he could be the most coveted center on the open market. The cap is going up next summer, so he could position himself for a bidding war to maximize his dollars. Now, does he rather take the, the security uh, that you know the Flames would be offering and you know avoid the headache and the stress of, of go- not having a contract beyond this season, or does he bet on himself and, and take it down to the wire? I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting storyline this season. I'm intrigued by this defense for Toronto because I still don't think they've done enough work to improve it. Do you feel the same? 100%. I, I like a, a lot of the pieces, but I don't like how they fit together. And yes. I, I think there's a, there, there's a glaring hole, particularly in the top four, to have a Morgan Riley partner. Um, right now, you'd probably slot that in as TJ Brody. Then who's going to be John Klingberg's partner? Because he's getting paid like a top four guy and you have all, you know, two offensive guys, but you don't have enough pure defenders. Uh, I think you need another horse back there. So, uh, and like, I love Mark Giordano, but in the playoffs, his age, you could tell caught up with him. He said he wasn't battling any injury whatsoever. He's lost a step. I love the guy, a heart and soul guy, but you don't want him playing, you know, second pair minutes. Mm -hmm. You want him to be your sixth or seventh defenseman. You don't want him, 
run them in, into the into the ground by, because you need to play them every night. So I don't think there's enough depth back there. I don't think there's the right mix back there. I'm really curious to try and see how it, all the pieces fit together because th- there's no obvious solution right now. And and I think that Trey Living isn't happy either. That's the good news. I don't think he's so foolish as to think this is a championship decor. And there's time to, to get it right uh, all the way till the trade deadline. So it is going to be something that I think he addresses, whether that's for camp, probably not. Um, there's not a lot of wiggle room, but I think it's in season. We could see some action there. What type of player would that be to add to the do, to the blue line? Like, let, let's maybe take away no trade contracts and making the money work and all that type of stuff. What is the type of player, maybe an example across the league, that you think would be the perfect fit for this blue line to be that guy beside Morgan Riley? Chris Tanev? Put him. <laughs> a good pick. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, honestly, I, I think I think he's the exact type of guy. You know, he's got to stay healthy. But he's the exact type of guy uh, that the Leafs need. And, and you know, Trey Living knows all, all those guys. Hannafin, too. Uh, I, I think he has his eye on uh, on some some guys he used to manage. So uh, it, I'm, I am very curious to see if, Toronto and, and Calgary can, can be trade partners because those guys talk all the time still. Um, but, you know, I think, I think we're at the point where you're going to have to see the season play out. You know, do the Flames surprise? Are they actually in the race? Or do they fall out early and, and start thinking ahead to the following season and want to sell off pieces like that? Um, but that, that's the kind of guy I, I think they need. They wanted to keep Luke Shen, but Luke Shen decided to leave. Mm. They need, like, someone safe, a little nasty, a guy willing to sacrifice the body, block shots, kill penalties. They lost a bunch of penalty killers this off season. Um, I'm worried about their PK heading into next year. So they need it's it, you know it's not it's not sexy. It's kind of boring hockey, but they need some of those guys that are reliable and do the dirty work. Do does the defense or the goaltending give you maybe more of a pause for concern? Uh, the defense, yeah, I think, um, especially. The, the fact that Trey Living went and added Martin Jones as his third-string goalie. Uh, now, Jones didn't have the greatest season, save percentage-wise, but I like him as, as a, a third option. Um, so I think they have a little more depth at the position. The organization is really high on Joseph Wall, who's dirt cheap, uh, but he's unproven. You know, he, He's only had a handful of games in the NHL. But I, I really think he has the right mindset to one day be a starter in the NHL. They're hoping that's, that's sooner rather than later. And Samsonov is coming off, you know, the best year of his, of his NHL career. So I think they're okay in goal, um, but I think they're going to need uh, a little bit more help on the guys standing in front of them. Uh, Luke, you mentioned uh, Tanev. What about Noah Hannafin? Is that a guy? Yeah. That, you know, yeah, why William not? Nylander, Hannafin? I don't know, Luke. I, well, makes that, a lot of sense so, to me. I, I thought about that, and I wonder if uh, Nylander has put Calgary on his no trade. I, I'm very curious. You think he would? It, I think there's a chance. He's from here, Luke. He's born here. <laughs> I know he. I know he was <laughs> a big homecoming. No, I. I, I think that. <laughs> I, I think that the, these two teams would make good trade partners, but I don't know who's on his ten team no trade, and I, and I'm. I, I wonder. I. I he, they could, he, we don't know that who's on that list, but there's a chance he put mm. Calgary on there. I think that's uh, super fascinating. Want to get your opinion? Go ahead, Manny. He's probably played more. He's probably spent more days in Calgary as a road team with Toronto than he did growing <laughs> up. 
You don't know that. Really? I don't know that for a fact, but that would be a guess. That would be maybe a, it's in his blood. Hypothesis. You don't know that. It's You're in right. his blood. Yeah, every time I look at William Nealon, I think that's a strong Calgarian boy. <laughs> right there. You think Calgary? That guy's uh, been around a hay bale before for sure. Right. Yeah. That guy. He's here every year for Stampede because he can't get enough. Yeah, he looks good in cowboy boots and a hat. Definitely. Right. Yeah, he probably would though. That's the thing. He would look probably look really. He good. rocks Duke really well in the middle of summer. I'll yeah, say he that he does. He does. Um, Luke, want to get your opinion? We had a we had a bit of a a heated conversation earlier on in the show about best on best NHL competition. Here's where I lie on this situation. Uh, once I got a taste of the Olympics, I want no part of a a fabricated World Cup. Give me the Olympics. Bring back the Olympics every four years. Let's go. Maddie's on the camp of forget that noise. Let's have a best-on-best competition every two years, including a World Cup. Where do you sit? Yeah, I want it every two years. Look at the drought we've we've been on. Like, the NHL needs to smarten up, honestly. it's, It's a bit of a sore point with me because I think they've really dropped the ball when it comes to international competition. I think it draws the casual fans in big time. Uh, you know, everyone can relate to it. It's like, you know, I don't watch swimming, but when it's the Olympics, all of a sudden I'm rooting for the Canadian swimmers. And, and I think if they were smart about it and, you know, do away with the gimmick teams like the, the Team Europe and the Team North America, which is pretty fun, but it was a gimmick. And let's get some best on best every two years, something to get excited about. Um, I would love to see it. And I think it's way overdue. And my point as well was that the Olympics don't have to mean the same as the World Cup, right? And we can we can differentiate those. The Olympics are yeah. the Olympics, but the World Cup is still going to be important. And my biggest thing is exactly what you said. We have had not had it for so long that just anything, give me anything, and I will be happy. Who doesn't want to see Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby on the same line? Exactly. And every two years, it means you give more guys opportunities to play for Team Canada, which for a lot of these guys is one of the biggest dreams that they will ever realize. I just think it's going to be a lot of fun to see everybody kind of suit up and do everything for the up, for, for their country, which we don't get to see. And I just think that's going to be massive for yep. hockey as a whole. And it's good for business, too. Yep. I, I don't know. Yep. As far as making the game more global, which is one of the places where I find the NHL to be way further behind a lot of the other major sports in North America. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I'm excited that you guys are excited. Um, <laughs> keep me the Olympics all day, every day. Because uh, nobody yeah, remembers. Both. You can't have the Olympics all day, every day. You can have them for 20 days every four years. That's what you sure. get. And I like that. Less is more. Luke, you remember this. Luke, do you remember? The, here's my analogy. And, uh, here's my analogy that that Luke will get, maybe and maybe not. Maddie Rose and Patty Dumont. Luke, do you remember when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire came out? Do you remember that? Yes. Do you remember how awesome it was? It would come out for like a week, and then like it wouldn't be on the air for like four or five months, and you're like, "Oh, it's back!" and you'd watch it. And then they started doing it every night, and you're like, this just doesn't have the same juice to it. That's how I feel yeah. about the World Cup and Olympics. Well, we, let, let's have some at least to, to let us get tired of it. <laughs> okay. That's fair, too. And that's All the right. stupidest analogy I could come up with, but it's kind of what I thought about. Well, yeah, and like, isn't that show still on TV? So, Yeah, but the original one with Regis, Maddie. Yeah, I, I guess. The OG one. 
but it, it survived going to it was a, electric. A, a weekly program for Beyond a Beyond for like a time. week, and then it would go away for months. You're like, I need more. Okay. I guess. Stop. <laughs> Luke, uh, you, Luke, you're no stranger to my nonsense. Thanks for this, pal. Let's do it again soon. All right. Okay. Thanks for having me on. Have a good, good day. Guys. All right. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> Luke Fox, NHL Radio It was electric, Maddie. At the end, Regis. Luke's like, never again. Never Is that your again. final answer? <laughs> it came out and you're like, oh, when's it back? And then they just killed it. I'd like to call just it friends. oversaturation. 50 50? Yeah. What's the third one? Phone a friend. Phone a friend. 50 50. And, uh, oh, audience. Audience. Okay. Yeah, audience. Hmm. Yeah. They had that uh, on the plane when I was going to and from Italy. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. Yes, yeah. dude. The highest I How got How many up times to, did you play it? Uh, I don't know. A dozen-ish, maybe? Did you win a million? No. No. I got to I the got million question far. four times, and I missed it. And uh, I'm like, are you kidding me? I got decently far. You know what? I was such a chump. It was like, you know when you play fantasy sports and you grip your free agent bucks? Like they're real money, and someone's yeah. trying to take like your last hundred dollars from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how I felt about like my hints in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Like I would have no idea what the answer is, and I'd just be like, oh, I don't want to. I gotta save the hint. Uh, just guess, and then I'd get it wrong and have to start all over and become extremely frustrated with this. Right, ex- essentially an exercise in insanity, doing mm-hmm. the same thing over and over, and expecting a different result. Yeah, I do like that. Um, it was frustrating. I'm on the plane. I'm like, oh, God, you're so stupid. Win the million, you do idiot. What I also did on the plane is like every sleep. 20 minutes. I w- No, I didn't sleep that much. I would uh, log into the, the, the plane poker and see if anybody was in a lobby. Oh. And nobody was ever in a lobby. Nobody ever wanted to get rolled over in poker by your boy. Mm. It was disappointing. Yeah, I do like when they have the, the video game where you, have, you play like the team trivia. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to take you to school. Yes. Stranger yeah. on the plane that I don't know yeah. who you are. Hey, 14A, I'm coming for you. <laughs> you like lose and stand up out of your seat and just start yelling. Uh, the coolest what thing I've ever had uh, on an you? airplane. Yeah. Coolest thing ever had on an airplane. It was in uh, it was in the good old uh, US of A. Mm. And uh, the stewardess goes, or flight attendant, excuse me, yeah, uh, goes, hey, you guys want to have fun on the flight? We're like, sure. Hey, everybody put a dollar and write your seat number on it. And then the winner of the draw wins all the money. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. It's a little small gambling ring. Do you think she's, yeah. taking, do you think she's taking a cut? Do you think she's, she's wetting her like beak? A, a bookie. She's taking the vig? Yeah, she's... <laughs> She's skimming twenty percent before yeah. she throws it back in. Hey, she's got to eat too, right? <laughs> uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was. I didn't win, awesome. but it was awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very awesome. I'm like, I'm in. Listen, I'm I'm speaking to a lot of people who love fifty fifty. <laughs> George is like gambling, gambling. Yeah. Again, this is fifty fifty. It's fifty fifty country, Western you, Canada. You Let's... guys, you guys telling me I can wet my beak right now? Yeah. Is that what you guys trying to tell me? Again, there's some vig involved. All right. Um, Adam Stanley from the CP Women's Open next. He's at Shaughnessy. Uh, we'll talk to him, and uh, I want to talk about Brooke Henderson's vision. We'll do that next. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Mucho big show next. 
with my man, Patrick Dumas. But first, big, big golf tournament. Tease it up tomorrow. Oh, a West at Shaughnessy. Covers golf for Sportsnet. Our man on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Adam Stanley. Adam, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm uh, I'm doing great. How are you? No, we're good. Adam, I know you do a ton of these interviews, and, and you work a lot around the country, and you speak to a lot of people. Um, the last time I interviewed you, I specifically asked you about Brooke Henderson's vision, and I saw your yeah. hit on Central. Um, she had glasses yeah. on. Um, it's, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of giving myself credit for all of this, uh, Adam. It I has know been it's... <laughs> nauseating, by the way. Yeah. But no, I, uh... please go on, George. Yes, I'm giving myself credit for this. Um, that I, I'm like maybe I planted the seed, or maybe I'm the reason why she's wearing glasses. Uh, obviously, I'm an idiot. But uh, just explain the genesis of her finally putting on some spectacles so she can actually see the golf ball and the course. Brooke just you know takes in all of the content that uh, you know we, we do basically. She was like, huh, maybe I'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, so the the short version of the story is yes, she has always worn glasses off the golf course. I think this is what you and I spoke about. Yes. Um, the, there's a very the, the simple answer. It's it's not very complicated, but she literally was just like, I'm just gonna give it a try. Basically, was was the response. She she leans on uh, Brittany to see a lot on the golf course, and uh, Brittany was kind of subtly saying, Hey, maybe maybe put the glasses on and. Let's see what we can do. So she practiced with them uh, a little bit while, uh, well, not a little bit. She practiced with them on basically all week long. During the off week uh, that she had right before the CPKC Women's Open, said it worked out pretty well, uh, showed up on Monday, had them on. Um, everyone was like, oh, that's that's different. Um, but they're not like, they're not really like sports glasses. They're just regular kind of glasses that you would wear in the office or in front of the computer or whatever. And speaking from experience, like if it gets hot, like these glasses are going to kind of slide off of her, off of her nose and, and off the back of her ears. So I, I'm very curious to see kind of how she manages that as like a variable over the next couple of days. Cause it's supposed to be, you know, 28 degrees Celsius today uh, with the humidity, with the humidity. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting, but um, yeah, long story short, she just decided it was time to give it a try and um, we will Time will tell, basically, <laughs> if it's uh, if it's going to be a successful uh, experiment or, or if they're going to be ditched by the time we get to Friday. I don't know how it would be a hindrance or a negative in any way. Seeing was probably a good thing in golf. Seeing, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good in golf. And the and the wild thing is, like, she is the winningest Canadian of all time. And are you saying like she just couldn't see? During those thirteen wins, and I know, and now she, and now it's like a whole new world. But um, yeah, it, it'll it'll obviously be different. There'll obviously be a couple variables here, but I think your point is exactly right. Um, seeing better while playing golf is probably not going to be an issue here. Yeah, we we all I think we've all played uh, with people who have a hard time seeing the ball, whether or not they're wearing glasses or their prescription needs work. But how frustrating would that be playing with Brooke? Like she hits it, you know, on the screws right down the middle, and she's like, "Where'd it go, uh, Brooke? It's down the fairway, like it always is, like way yeah. down there." You hit it again. Oh, where'd it go? Yeah, it's about six feet away from the pin again, Brooke. Like that's what you're doing all day. Yeah. Like enough of asking me where the ball went. You know exactly where it went. It's uh yeah, it would probably get old. But I think it actually did get old for Brittany and she finally was like, <laughs> put, put put them on. Like we Yeah. We, I'm tired of this. Out. This needs to be a bit of a a one two punch kind of scene. I'm not gonna do everything for you. Um is is this a dumb question, but what about contact lenses? Like have we this do we have the technology? <laughs> We really needed to get an eye doctor here on on this call, and not uh, <laughs> not me. But um, 
I actually, I think because they're just like, she puts them on for like, um, you know, if, if she's wandering around doing some sightseeing, no pun intended, or if she's watching a movie or if she's got to do, you know, a lot of you know computer time with uh, some of her partners, whatever it may be, um, you know, on a on a Zoom or on an email mm-hmm. or et cetera, et cetera. So she, she just puts those on for, for situational purposes, right? She doesn't have them on all the time. So I think the contacts would just be... Um, you know, kind of a hindrance, kind of a thing that she doesn't she doesn't really need. She kind of just needs glasses situationally, and now it appears that playing golf will be one of those situations. We shall see. How's uh, Brooke feeling going into the week? Because we talked about it last time you were on the station, but she's missed three of her last four cuts. Granted, the, the fourth tournament that she didn't miss the cut, she was the runner-up at a major, which is a, a great result. Yeah. But how do you think she's feeling right now about her game heading into the uh, Women's Open here, the Canadian Open? Yeah, the so one of the one of the missed cuts at the at the women's British Open, you know, that came only by by a shot. I think the other missed cut came by you know one or two or whatever it is, and and, and another missed cut, you know, this summer uh, came in a team event uh, alongside Lexi Thompson. And and to be honest, Lexi Thompson didn't do Brooke any favors with where mm-hmm. you know she was kind of putting the ball. So you know, not to, not to really make excuses, but she she's been close, you know, and, and you know, kind of the numbers in, in golf don't lie. The big thing that's been a, a takeaway for, for Brooke and her performance so far this season is that her greens and regulation stat, her ball striking stat has been almost like jarringly poor as compared to uh, the past couple of seasons. I think she was fourth uh, last year in greens and reg and, and fifth the year prior. I, I might have had those um, you know swapped, but regardless, she's been in the top five the last couple of years. This year, she's down in 33rd or 34th, something like that. So, you know, the, the body of work over the last nine, 10 months has shown that, yeah, that ball striking is off a little bit. And, and that, you know, she was rested. She's ready. I mentioned this in the hit yesterday uh, on TV, but um, she's really had kind of a laser-like focus uh, last week uh, back at home and then this week on, on the range and, and kind of in the practice uh, rounds that she's had, it kind of dialing in the ball striking. Shaughnessy is not a pushover golf course. It's a stout championship, difficult test, uh, and you're going to have to be, you know, really dialed with the ball striking to have success this week. So Brooke knows that and she knows that she's had kind of struggles with that so far this season. So um, there's still, <clears throat> excuse me, there's still eight tournaments left for Brooke. Um, you know, she's got the win, win in the first tournament of the year. So does she think that this season has gone poorly? No. Does she think that this season has had, you know, a lot of up and downs? Yes. And she'd be the first person mm-hmm. to, to say that. So, you know, this might be one of those weeks where she's just going to be elevated by, by two things. Um, one, the fact that it is in front of the Canadian fans. She hasn't played in front of Vancouver fans in a long time, so she's motivated to put on a really good show. And two, uh, today, Thursday, and, and Friday, she's in the, the, the feature groups of all featured groups. She's alongside world number one, Lilia Vu, uh, and former world number one this season, uh, Nellie Korda, as well. So it's going to be the buzziest wow. group on the property. And she told me yesterday that she thrives in that atmosphere. Uh, Adam Stanley, golf analyst for Sportsnet at the CP Canadian Women's Open, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. I think this is exciting for Calgary golf fans because we know the the, the tournament's coming to Calgary next summer at uh, Earl Grey. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts here, Adam. This has a major feel to it, too. It, it It is the biggest tournament outside the five majors on the LPGA Tour, is it not? Yeah, and and I don't think that there's any hyperbole to say that. Like we we've talked at length all year long, you guys and I, about you know the PGA Tour and the schedule and kind of the turbulent uh, year that they've been in the men's golf side of things. But we, we look at those designated events now called signature events. If there was going to be an equivalent to that on the LPGA Tour, the CPKC Women's Open would 100% be considered as such. 
the purse is solid. Uh, the golf course, you know, like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, championship test, incredible venue. Um, and, and the field, nine of the top 10 in the world. Uh, and I think it's 18 of the top 20 or something like that. So, yeah, this is a, this is a, real, this is a real hitter's tournament uh, with some seriously big names uh, teeing it up. And, and I'm glad you asked about Calgary next year because um, there's, a, there's a ton of momentum from everyone at Earl Grey right now. And, and there's a lot of excitement for next year as well. Yeah, we're super pumped up about that tournament next year. Uh, you talk about the, the difficulty. How small and fast are those greens at Shaughnessy? <laughs> uh, I played the media day um, six weeks ago, uh, last month, whatever it was. Uh, probably the fastest greens I have putted on in, in a very, very long time. Um, and, you know, since then, it's just been a month more of summer. So they do have them ripping quick. <laughs> um, and they are, on average, okay, so they are for, just 4,200 square feet i think the lpga tour said which they have confirmed the tour has confirmed is smaller than average uh when it comes to what their uh what their tournament size greens are so fast greens small greens uh precision off the tee uh second shot golf course you know a golf course where when the men teed it up the last time uh, the winning score was only four under par um you know i really can't say enough about how amazing this golf course is but also how difficult the test is going to be over the next couple days obviously there's several several canadians that are teeing it up in this tournament this weekend but can you tell us about the season that maddie zarek has had and you know where is she in kind of this pantheon of lady golfers right now (laughs) um yeah it's a good question there's 15 uh, canadians in the field this week I, i think that the majority of them are actually amateurs so you know it's nice to kind of mm-hmm. see that brooke henderson kind of had boom that echo boom generation starting to take their first steps uh into the um you know in, in the pipeline if you will uh, i mean one of the girls who was teeing up this week and, and i say girl instead of woman because she's just a young teenager uh vanessa borvalos from uh toronto she won the drive chip and putt you know, three, four years ago, like she is not that far removed from, you know, being a very, very young upstart in the game. And now she's teeing it up on the LPGA tour, which is pretty cool. Uh, Maddie, neat little sidebar story for her, her sister, uh, Ellie Zurich, who's an amateur is, uh, is also in the field this week Mm. and they are actually playing together on Thursday and Friday. So kind of a neat little sister act there for the first two rounds uh, here in Shaughnessy. Uh, The neat thing about Maddie is that, um, you know, she she re-earned her LPGA Tour card via the uh, the qualifying tournament, the Q Series at the end of last year. You know, it's an eight-round just absolute grind fest, and and so she deserved kind of to to get back on the LPGA Tour. And she told me at the beginning of the year that she was just more motivated to have kind of this second crack at things on the LPGA Tour. A lot of learning last year, uh, a lot of different places, different golf courses, getting in the field super late, didn't really have the opportunity to um, have enough time to prepare and, and do the things that she wanted to do. Uh, this year, I, I think her, her year has been uh, steady, if kind of unspectacular. Um, she did have a very solid result at the Canadian Open last year, so obviously looking for more of the same. And, and, and I think she's in the mix right now to re-earn her LPGA Tour card again for next year. But, you know, I think she'll, she'll be kind of a steady presence on the LPGA for the next couple of years from a uh, Canadian perspective, for sure. Um, Adam wanted to ask you about the tour championship, the FedEx cup playoffs, uh, finish up at East Lake, like they uh, normally do. Uh, what's your, what's your opinion on these staggered starts? Cause I kind of like it. Cause it just reminds me of when back in 2019 tiger wins the tour championship. Uh, nobody cares that Justin Rose actually won the FedEx cup. It was all about yeah, tiger winning that tournament. I kind of like the staggered start and the winner of the tournament wins the FedEx cup. I like how they do this. Do you? Yeah, they had to do 
something. And I think it is exactly based on, on your point. Like it just confused even the most diehard fans about like, well, this person like won the, won the championship, but Oh wait, they didn't actually win the years. didn't actually win the year. That just seems odd. So I think this is the, this is the only way that they could have kind of made it in air quotes fair, I guess, to, to allow anyone who got into that uh, final event to have a chance to actually win, you know, the, the tours championship. Um, Yeah. It's not bad. I think it, 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 again, just look at last year just because you are the number one guy, Scotty Scheffler uh, was the number one guy last year, just as he is this year. That doesn't mean it's a, it's an auto win. Uh, Rory chased him down from, you know, at one point he was 11 shots back, I think. And, you know, that kind of builds up the drama for, uh, for this final week of the year and, you know, tip our cap to the Canadian fellas. First time in the FedEx cup era, there's been more than one guy who's made it to uh, the tour championship. So uh, Corey and Nick, both in the field this week, they've got a chance. And, and that's kind of what these guys are playing for just to have, that chance to win the big prize at the end of the year. Uh, Can I get all golf nerdy with you? (laughs) Sure. Hit me. Let's go. Uh, How absurd is it that Scotty Scheffler has a chance to break Tiger Woods PGA tour record in 2000 of hitting over 75.15% of greens in regulation, which is just absolutely mind blowing for an entire season. The, I think the more mind-blowing part is that he is the best ball striker on the planet. You're comparing him to 2000s. Like, who gets compared to 2000s Tiger, right? Like, that's absolutely incredible. And yet he is like, he putts worse than I do. And, and that's like saying something. So it's just like, if this guy putted, honestly, just like below average, it, he probably would have won like six times this year. Not even like average just below average just i think he's 175th in stroke wow. game putting this season so yeah um Scotty if he putted like will zalatoris he'd be better yeah he might he would be he would put it like anybody he would be better <laughs> if he putted like my 11 month old daughter emma who oh. can't even stand up he would be better um but it was it was like it's almost like shocking to see how good of a ball hitter he is because it's like it doesn't matter what golf course it is um he had that streak from October to the uh, the men's British. He didn't finish outside the top 12 on the PGA Tour at any tournament from October to July. And it's it's crazy. So that's a total product of his ball striking. Uh, all you can say is kudos because any time that you do something that brings you back into a conversation with 2,000 Tiger Woods, uh, you know that's that's all time. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Adam, there's plenty of plans, obviously, in place for the 2024 season, but do you know when we're going to get clarity as far as how things are going to be impacted by everybody getting together under the company name Nuco? We can't use the term merge, but the PGA and the Live are doing this whole thing, and do we have any idea what 2024 is actually going to look like, given that this is all seemingly up in the air right now? Yeah, like 20, 2024, you know, the schedule has been announced. They they've got their they've got their cadence. Um, it sounds like Live Golf as an entity is not going away at all. You know, next year, twenty twenty five is going to be the big year, and I and I think that's really you know where the question lies, and, and probably where you were going with you know just the, the the query about men's pro golf and the and the stage that we're going to find ourselves on in in you know eighteen months time or whatever it is, and and I don't think that there is any clarity because they keep calling it Nuco. They don't they don't have any real direction. I don't think that this. It um, sounds like such a I, fake I company. That, oh yeah. Okay? Oh, for yeah. sure, Nuco Shell the, Company, all over it. On, uh, oh yeah, it's a, what do you do? Oh, we launder money. It's just under Nuco. Yeah. That's what they do. It's, it's, I mean, it's it's borderline that. Yeah, yeah. What, whatever. What's the company that's on the front of uh, Brian Harmon's hat? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
Oh, that company sounds Power like Co. or something like that. Yeah, like oh, Power Corp. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> it's it's like oh, is that a is that a like a sister company to Nuco? Uh, no, actually, it's uh, I don't know what they do, but anyway, <laughs> the um, yeah, the 2025 schedule. A lot of Hank things. Hank Scorpio the from The Simpsons. That's the court. That's the company he owns. That's what he's advertising. Sorry, that that, that might be it. That sounds about right to me. Um, I don't know how many guys who went to live like actually want to come back and play the PGA tour. It seems like depending on who you talk to, some of those guys have just kind of totally washed their hands from it. Um, I don't think Dustin Johnson really knows like what exactly is happening. He's kind of probably just going to show up to tournaments and figure it out. He um, seems really concerned that, about that. Yes. Yeah, he yeah, seems to be the type that really cares about that stuff. Adam. Yeah. He, he gives, you know, no yeah. insert word here, but yeah. I think the, the Brooks Kefka, maybe he'll, he'll be kind of an interesting guy. Like he seems mm. to be really the, the guy that wants to thrive more so in the competition and be kind of in the mix with the best players in the world more often. So um, yeah, just, Honestly, tons of questions, very little answers, basically no answers right now. Um, but 2024, at least there, there's a, there is a schedule. There is cadence. Uh, the guys who play on live are not going to play with the guys on the PGA Tour other than the majors. Uh, but I think that that overarching storyline, that cloud of, hey, you guys like did this thing. You need to make a real decision about what the future of men's pro golf is going to look like, and you need to make it fast. Um, you know, that's going to be a, a, an ever-growing, ongoing storyline for next year for yeah. sure. Uh, Adam Stanley, golf analyst for Sportsnet. He's at the CP Women's Open down at Shaughnessy. Uh, Adam, terrific stuff. Enjoy the golf, pal. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, love that. Uh, love that hot golf talk. They're going to get um, a mono monorail. Could you? Yeah. <laughs> Again, that that you're right. Like the Brian Harmon hat. Um, is it Megacorp? I can't remember what it is. It's Megacorp. Yeah, yeah it's it Megacorp. Megacorp. Yeah, 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 it sounds like Hank Scorpio from The Simpsons. Oh, come work for Megacorp. Yeah. You know, like, what do you guys do? Oh, we just want to take over the world. That's <laughs> essentially what we want to do. And then you go to Megacorp's website, and they're like, what do you do? Logistics? Like, oh, I don't yeah, know okay. about that. <laughs> I don't know what's what, sketchier. What when somebody mean? says, oh, what are you into? Importing, exporting? Huh. <laughs> really? Of, of, of what? Okay. <laughs> like, huh. I do a lot of listen. I just do a lot of undocumented boat travel between certain countries south of the hemisphere. Yeah, and it's like very sketchy. It's like, what do you do? Import export? Huh? <laughs> and that entails what exactly? Don't worry about it. A lot okay. of a lot of importing and exporting. As a matter of yes. fact, that's enough questions out of you, bud. Yes. Um, it's almost it for us. John Morosi is going to join us tomorrow. That's exciting. That's pretty neat. I like that. Uh, during our show, mm-hmm. um, Canada takes on France at the FIBA World Cup. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Rudy Check Gobert. Alexander. Is Rudy still there? I know that uh, Chris Stapps decided to no-go for Latvia, so that was nice for the Canadians. Okay. Because that's their last opponent, I think, in the round robin. Yeah, they also play Lebanon, who I'm yes. terrified of. I... Do they have an NBA player? Man, I don't they're know. like Lebanon's offensive rebounding is just a force. I have no idea if you're being. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I have no idea about that. I just, I just threw that out there to pretend like I, I know did. what I'm talking about. I, I, I really sold that to you, though, didn't I? I didn't want to, um, like, really poo-poo on it because it could be seen as seriously offensive. But yes, I. No, it's not offensive. I, I don't be... know about Lebanon's basketball team. Like, I have no idea. They're probably a bunch of slugs. Like, Canada should wax Lebanon. Like, who are we kidding here? It's Lebanon, for God's sake. Just slugs. 
Yeah, when you talk about basketball powerhouses, Lebanon's not the country that comes to mind. Are you sure? I just Lebanon. Yeah, Lebanon. Credit. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the team Canada should be worried about. Lebanon, get out of here. <laughs> it's like when Canada plays like Austria at the World Juniors. Like, come on, man. Like, this shouldn't even it's, be like even in the same like stratosphere, yeah, the same universe. Yeah, you're probably right. In like Canada that. literally has one of the best players on the planet in Shea Gilgis Alexander. Mm-hmm. They should destroy Lebanon. Well, I don't know. Destroy Lebanon. I don't know if we okay. Can do that. All right. Mind you, now watch Canada lose to Lebanon. I'm going to eat all my words. I'm trying to find all their cuisine here. Hold on, like kebabs, okay, stop. lamb, uh, Patrick. Uh, what do you got coming up at Mucho Big Show? Oh, uh, we got uh, Matty Marchese going to talk about hey! NFL. And, of course, well, I booked him before the Matthews signing, so we'll talk that. Meat Look pies. at that perfect timing. Small savory dishes with dips. Mm. Mm. All right, that's enough for me. Okay. Hey, I uh, gotta, I'm leaving on a golf trip right after the show tomorrow, so I'm going to have one foot out the door. Just a heads up to everybody. Oh, we're, oh okay. You going to mail it in on a Friday? Yeah. Well, okay. I don't know if you, I could do it more so than usual. You but usually I'll do, just... or like after six thirty, like <laughs> once the road reports in the books after seven o'clock. <laughs> hey, gear down! Yeah, once yeah. the road reports done, Maddie just gears it down. <laughs> yeah, we're in cruising altitude at that point, baby. Yeah. Put it on cruise control. <laughs> Time for the pilot to take a nap. Shift her down. Yeah. <laughs> um, by Please, the way, uh, make sure that you're keeping your seatbelts fastened while you're yeah. in the cabin. I'm going to take a nap. Check out the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. If you want to hear the Ross Tucker interview for a third time, go ahead. <laughs> Only podcast once. It. Only podcast. Only podcasted once. Yeah. That's fine. You got a pro back there, George. Come on. Yeah. Give your head a I shake. Know. Come on. All right. One more um, day. Bye bye. Enjoy your Thursday. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.